Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hunger is ugly, and it manifests itself in difficult-to-handle situations and simply makes life hard. People struggling with not enough food deal with a myriad of hurtful situations that have long-lasting negative impact on a person's self-worth. Recently, a news story shared about one of these difficult situations involving a child and lunch at school. The incident we are about to speak of occurred here in Michigan and involved a worker in the cafeteria, a student, their lunch, and an unpaid bill. The news story related that the student received their lunch and then a worker came to the table and took the lunch away from the student because the parent had not paid the bill. Incidents like this are called lunch shaming, an embarrassing negative impact on a child in front of their peers. I want to understand if this practice is widespread. Why punish the student in the public manner when the issue is with the adults in the student's life? I have more questions than answers, but what I do know is that no good comes from food insecurity. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Less than nothing. Food is centric to our well-being, and there is no substitute for it. I am surmising that food shaming is enough of a problem that one Michigan senator, the current Senate Majority Leader, our friend Senator Jim Ananick, along with several others, have proposed Senate Bill 1078 to deal with the act of food shaming of Michigan students. Jerry Brisson and I are back to talk with Senator Jim Ananick and Clarence Gardner, the superintendent at Grand Blank Schools, about this bill in just a moment. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Uh, we're here with our guest, State Senator Jim Ananick, who is going to talk about legislation that he just introduced to try to help kids get food in school. It's really unique legislation. I think there's an important story behind it. And welcome, Senator Ananick, and uh, let's hear about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it is unique, and it's also unfortunate that we have to uh, to do this, but we've, we found it to be, we had a story from the community that I live in, and then as we started talking about it, we started hearing about it over and over and over again. So there's a concept called food shaming, uh, where folks, children, uh, elementary, middle school, uh, high school kids, may not have enough money in their account at school. Now, I, got, I doubt that any kid knows exactly how much money they have in their account. It's something between the school uh, and the parent, For and sure. sometimes, sometimes things happen, right? Sometimes maybe they have a financial issue. More often than not, they probably just forgot to reload uh, the, the food uh, on, on the account, right? So what happens sometimes, and there's multiple examples of this, and it happens in different ways. The kid will have the food. He'll take it up there. Uh, they'll look at his account. They'll say, oh, you don't have enough money. They'll take the food from him, throw it away right in front of him, him or her, uh, and then offer him like a substitute lunch, which is usually like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, sometimes it's a, a turkey sandwich. Uh, and at the middle school level, I've heard about it being a snack. 
at high school, you get nothing in some places. Uh, there's, we've seen stories of people having to wear a ribbon around their arm, uh, a bunch of other things. And it's just, you know, in 2018, with the technology we have and just the understanding that if you don't have a good, nutritious meal before school or during school, that you're just not going to learn as well. I think we need to find an answer to that, and I don't think this is an acceptable one. Well, I think the point you're making, that the kids really aren't the ones deciding, and yet they're the ones facing the consequences in school, that's a pretty sad situation. I, uh, Just for the sake of framing this up, I still have two kids in middle school. I have two kids, one out of college and one graduating this year, but two kids in middle school. And the way lunch works is usually at the beginning of the day, they ask if you have a cold lunch or hot lunch. And then the kid says, this is what I'm having today. And then they go to the lunch line and they're usually standing in line for, you know, five minutes or more waiting to to get their lunch. And um, so there's only 20 minutes or so for lunch. So already you're in a little bit of a stressful situation if you're the kid trying to get your lunch, get it to the table and eat it on time. Now you add to that, you get to the front of the line, you get your lunch, you then go to to account for it, you know, yep, okay, got you, and the person in in the uh, lunch line says, oh, I'm sorry, that lunch isn't for you anymore. Yeah. So you're adding insult to injury when for that child who really doesn't have any idea that this could happen, let alone is happening to them right now. 100%. So then they say, well, we're going to take away the pizza or the chicken sandwich or whatever it is, and you're going to get this other thing. And in the meantime, all the other kids who are under a lot of pressure to get through lunch are waiting for you. So you're adding to the dilemma that you might not get a nutritious meal, the fact that all your friends who you're usually standing in line with are sitting there going, what the heck is going on? And even more shaming, even more embarrassment that's totally unnecessary. That's 100% it. Yeah, and I thought if it was an isolated incident, okay, things happen, right? But then you started, I started hearing about it all over my county and other parts of the state. And I, I get it. I mean, schools are strapped. They've been, they've been, they've seen so many cuts over the last eight years that they're looking for, they're looking for nickels anywhere they can find it. But there's got to be a way that you can work with the parent to make sure. I mean, if a kid loses a school book, you don't, you don't, you don't not give them a, a calculus book. You put it on, you put it on the, as a debt, and you pay at the end of the year before they graduate. I'm pretty sure we can figure something out with this, with the, with the kids. And if, you know, we've seen in other places that have done this. If, uh, if a community realizes they have a problem where folks can't pay for their lunches, they've done, you know, GoFundMe pages, and they've had no problem raising the money. Because most people, you know, most decent people think that, you know, if the worst thing is a school has to subsidize a kid for a little while for their lunch, that's a good use of taxpayer dollars, especially if you're going to be paid back in the end. Well, no question about it, and uh, and it takes the the immediacy out of the kid's hands and puts it where it yeah. belongs, which is with the school Between and the, the parent parents. And yeah, and that conversation that should be ongoing. So my understanding is there's a whole uh, sort of bill of rights that comes with this legislation kind of uh, uh, structure to this. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of aspects to it, but I think the most important one is that that um, if this happens, they get up to the front of the line and they are unable to pay, that you give them the USDA-approved lunch and you figure it out later. You develop a policy that's not just giving some kid, I mean, like it's, like it's Oliver Twist, you know, giving him some gruel and wondering why he's asking for more. Yeah, right. I, mean, <clears throat> I mean, this is 20, 2018. Right. I think we could find a solution to it. And so there's a number of steps to make sure that, I mean, nobody, I mean, you don't want to see that people just realize, oh, I can get a free lunch, I'll just won't. You know, there may be some people that take advantage of that and just say, well, I'm just not going to pay either. 
So there has to be a, a policy and, and procedure in place. And I think there's it, it, there's steps that lay out how to how to reach that to make sure that you know the school uh, doesn't you know isn't in a financial hardship that the the parent can figure it out and the kid is very little involved at all other than just eating the nutritious lunch. And do you find you're getting good support for this? Well, it's something that I have to it, uh, yes once I once I'm able to explain it because it's not exactly something that people are that are, that are aware of until they and I say to them go back and ask somebody. Let me tell you about this story. I got, you, I got multiple examples, and I guarantee it's happening somewhere in your district. Just go back and ask somebody, and I guarantee you'll find out that it's happening. And I think we can find a solution to it. And, I, you know, I think we have – I'm not sure if I'm going to get it done before the end of the year, but I do think that next term we can go back to it if we have to, if it doesn't get done, and uh, address it again because it's just something that I think – you know, I understand how something like this can evolve, but I think we need to make sure – that the, the the common sense solution is found because that's not what we have right now. Well, and of course, when you follow the money um, and you understand the the pressures, as you were saying, that school districts are under, one of the unintended consequences of really what isn't enough funding per pupil in many cases is yeah. that these are the decisions that get made on the ground. All, you know, kind of if people are making the decisions they have to make for the right reasons that they're facing at the time. And how much is that like the way the people we serve in the food bank network have to manage their life? And when you're standing on the outside looking in, it's easy to judge that and say, well, you know, they didn't make the best decision. But really, it's it's that life happens and things happen and people aren't thinking two steps down the road. They got to get through today. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of folks especially folks that make statements like you're talking about, the people, sometimes the people you serve or the people I'm serving. Um, you know, poverty is not uh, concentrated in urban communities anymore. It's everywhere. And people are struggling to make it. You know, I mean, a lot of folks talk about how great the economy is, and it has improved over the last 10 years dramatically. And that's important. But not everyone is secure. And a lot of folks are going paycheck to mouth. I mean, they're going paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth. And, you know, I mean, and, and school districts, food banks, the, the 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 folks that you're serving in those food banks, I mean, they wouldn't be so busy if people were doing better. And I think we have to, to understand that there's still a lot of need out there. And you know, as a society that you know claims to care about people, I think we should err on the side of making sure people have access to to, to good food. Uh, and figure out the figure out how we pay for it later. Well, and you've been such a great partner to us in that work for so many years, uh, just helping us get attention for what is a really important issue that affects families and children and working families and others. And uh, and so, one more thing: how can our listeners help you in this process of trying to get this legislation through? I would say there's two things they can do. Um, one, one, one related to the, the legislation, and one related to their own communities. Um, one, find out if your community is doing this, and if you're willing to help, uh, ask, you know, to maybe do to help uh, put some money into the school account for somebody who maybe can't afford it. And in the meantime, I think there's ways from a from a uh, you know using our own charitable giving to help people that are maybe in need. And then second, call their state representative, call their senator, and say, hey, have you seen Senator Annanick's food shaming bill, and have them come talk to me. I'd love to sit and talk to them about it. Have If they're willing to advocate on behalf of it, uh, that'd be great. Uh, I don't have a bill number yet because we read it in last week and we don't go back into session until, and it'll be read in the next session day we have. Um, <clears throat> but if they just say food shaming bill, um, they're probably not going to know about it yet because I've started talking to people, but I haven't talked to everybody yet. But ask them to uh, keep an open mind and to, you know, to have some charity in their heart. 
thanks again for being on Food for Thought and a really, really important issue for our families and once again, championing the cause for uh, for all of us out here in, in Michigan. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. We're back here on Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. That was uh, your interview with Senator Jim Ananick, who's sponsoring the Hunger-Free Student Bill of Rights Bill, Senate Bill number 1078. So um, you interviewed him. What was your take from that? You know, I'm going to start with a a little political thing. I I know it's always a little bit risky to be political, but there are some things the free market just doesn't do well. There are many things it does well, but to try to capture how would markets change something like a kid being shamed in the lunch line? How would that even happen? When would it happen? Would parents have to choose different schools? I mean, how, how would that happen, right? So I just had a moment of appreciation for our republic form of government. I mean, and I know that that might sound strange, but honest to God, I went, thank God you've got Jim Ananick, who's taking his job seriously and saying, this is what a legislator can do to make a difference. You're going to take a situation that's not well managed by markets Mm-hmm. And you're going to say, but it is well managed by Congress or it's well managed by the legislature that can say, this is how we have to do business for the sake of the kids and make sure it's being done right. I felt really good about that. I, I think activism has a place and this is one of those places. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I think the one of the purposes that legislation does is give us guide rails. Okay, you've got to operate within these guide rails. You can't run off the road. You can't get in the ditch. And certainly taking a lunch away from a kid who's already received it in public is over the guardrail. Right. And Absolutely. it's just not acceptable practice. It's, it's, again, it's what kind of culture do you want to live in? That's not the kind of culture I want to live in. And the educational leaders that I know, personally, that's not the kind of culture they want to have for their students. I mean, you've got lots of school districts. I don't know how many school districts Gleaners is partnering with, but our entire network, all of them are partnering with schools at some level. And you can't partner with the school unless they believe in what you're doing and they want to prioritize it. Right. And the other thing I think that we talk about or have talked about several times is you do what you measure. Right. So if all you're measuring is, is someone's account overdue, then it creates behavior like, well, then that kid doesn't get to eat today. So we've got to measure something else, right? So what do we measure? And the idea that there's a hunger-free student bill of rights sets up what are other things we can measure success to be. Mm -hmm. And so success should be, A, parents are responsible, not children, for their you know, account. I mean, I think that's important, but also be the experience of that child in school matters because you want that child to thrive. You don't want them to dread going to school because today might be a day that my account ran out of money. Well, and there's so many of our kids that are going to school out of a food insecure home that this is where they're going to get the balance of their nourishment. And now, when an incident like this happens, I mean, the negative effect on a kid at that level emotionally is what I think we have to measure. And when you measure that, the cost in dollars and cents 
pales in significance in my mind. Well, there's no question. There's no question about it. Now, of course, we also need to measure things like how often does this happen? And is it really happening to low-income students more than families that have plenty of money. I mean, I can tell you when I when I talked about this um, with several friends, all of, now I have four kids and all my kids have gotten lunch in school. So, you know, again, just framing it that way, many of my friends have had kids in school and not one of them, not one of them can say they never ran out of money in their kid's account. Right. Every one of us have forgotten. Oh my gosh, yes, that's right. I was supposed to do that. I forgot to do it. So so I'd also be interested to know, you know, this isn't just happening to to low income families. This is happening to everyone, right? And so this is happening to your children. If you have children in school, it's happening to them. And and you know, in so many cases, we really do have much more in common then we have different about each other. Right. And it's one of the one of the things that I think is fundamental to understanding food insecurity that, you know, the all of us kind of struggle with the same dynamics of our life. What do we remember? What do we forget? How are we managing and organizing our day? How do we trade off those duties with our spouses? I mean, those kinds of things are happening to all of us and there's opportunity for any of us to just simply make a mistake. Well, yeah, I've I've done the same thing. I had the conversation where it's like, yeah, well, my kid got pulled out of the line and got a you know peanut butter and jelly sandwich because I didn't pay the bill, and you know so again that. But it, I want to circle back to just a minute. How one of the things you said we should measure is how often is this happening? So, um, fourteen different states right now have a hunger-free student bill of rights legislation before them. So. Lunch shaming evidently is happening, and it seems like it's happening for whatever the reason. Uh, you know, it is pretty prevalent. I mean, if 14 states are, are considering um, legislation to deal with this, I don't think, and I don't think that Jim, Senator Ananick, just does this on a one and done. In fact, if I remember your. Um, your interview with him, he said when as he's talking to his colleagues, he's about trying to drum up some support for the bill. He said, "Go home and to ask your people, is this happening in the in their school district?" And he says, "I'll guarantee you that it is." Yeah, and he's pretty sure he'll get support because of that. And we just we just heard him talking about this, and uh, you know, I think um, nobody nobody wants a child to suffer. Uh, particularly in front of their peers. Nobody wants that, right? No. So so he's pretty confident, and he said so, that he's going to get good support for this bill and that we're going to see some le- some legislative change that's pretty easy um, but will make a huge impact. Right, right. And as I, I think he said, if it didn't come up in this session, he would it would come back up in January. Yep, exactly right. So, well, you know, that's so that's that's Senator Ananick stepping in, doing his job and doing it well, and giving the rest of us some some uh, guide rails in which that we should operate in. Uh, but there's another perspective to this as well, and of course that would be from the school. And uh, I can't imagine that even this is a simple issue for a school administrator and leader to navigate. Right. And so it's our pleasure to be talking to one of the leadership uh, from the schools in this state. 
And Clarence Garner, the superintendent at Grand Blank Schools, uh, one of the largest districts in the school uh, in, in Michigan, uh, is our guest today to kind of give us the educator's perspective on this this idea of lunch shaming and, uh, and what school districts can do about to help solve the problem. So you come back and be with us. Jerry and I, we're going to talk with Clarence Garner in just a moment. We'll be right here. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson in the studio. And on our uh, phone line here is uh, Clarence Garner, who is the superintendent for the Grand Blank School District. And Clarence, among other things that Grand Blank is known for, you have the largest high school in the state, I believe. Well, you know, we are right up there, uh, uh, Dr. Knight. We are, uh, you know, varies from one to, uh, you know, number three. And uh, this year enrollment at our high school is up, which is a good thing. We'll be just short of 2,800 kids at our high school. So I think we'll be in one of those top three spots again this year. Wow. Well, you know, it's, uh, we've known each other a long time and uh, been good friends and uh, been on a fellow leadership journey. In fact, uh, yeah. uh, you and Jerry met at a social gathering uh, at my house not long ago, and it uh, seems like the two of you kind of hit it off, and we thought this was a, a natural progression of that relationship, friendship, and especially given the topic that we want to chat with you about. Well, no, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, I could join up with the two of you, and uh, it was a pleasure meeting Jerry and certainly all the work that he's doing uh, to make a difference uh, when it comes to, um, you know, feeding uh, not only the state of Michigan but beyond that. So um, I'm glad I could join you guys today. So, Jerry, why don't you recap the um, the uh, interview that you had with Senator Jim Ananick, the Senate Minority Leader, and his bill about uh, hunger-free students' bill of rights. Well, the the real quick, the the issue is that the problem isn't really the child's problem, and yet they're being, in many cases, held responsible in an immediate way in the lunch line when their food bill hasn't been paid, or the the uh, account that they have doesn't have enough funds in it to cover the cost of that meal today. Now, realizing that there's a lot of different circumstances that that lead to parents maybe not putting money in that account. Some of those circumstances are outside their control. Some are just circumstantial. Oh my God, I forgot. But the victim in this is the child going through the lunch line. They're there with their friends. They're there with their whole class. And they're being told, oh, well, either you can't have anything because there's no money in your account, or you're going to get a different meal, which isn't what everyone else is being served. And so the embarrassment and the trauma that that kid is going through is what sparked this whole, that is not the way this should be handled. So the bill is intended to try to address that. And I think that's enough of a recap to sure. to get the conversation going and say, tell us your experience, Clarence, on this issue in your districts. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. And I appreciate uh, uh, the recap of Senator Anik's bill. And um, uh, I will tell you, Senator Anik is a, a big friend here of, of, of public schools, and um, he's been a big supporter not only of Grand Blank, but public education in general. Um, so I, first of all, I guess I want to say in regards to the bill, uh, we certainly support uh, the mission of uh, Senator Anik and the others that um, are behind us. You are right, though, Jerry. This, this is a, um, a convoluted issue for a multitude of reasons. 
Um, and in full transparency here, uh, I'm a lot of things, but I won't make things up. Uh, this uh, this issue here certainly hit home with Graham Blank because a lot of the things that you described, uh, Jerry, um, they actually they were happening. Um, I don't know to the degree, certainly, that it was reported, but um, the issue is um, that there were accounts that um, did not have money in them, and our procedure here in Grand Blank uh, had been, yes, that we would give an alternative lunch when those accounts were overdrawn, um, and uh, that did cause issues. Uh, the interesting thing, good, bad, or indifferent, and maybe it was embarrassment or whatever, um, that's how we had been doing business, and I, I assume uh, a lot of other schools had been doing business as well, um, until it was pointed out that uh, there has to be a better way to get at this, uh, this issue. Um, I will tell you, I never really heard from the parents of, of the kids that maybe this had happened to. I had heard that it happened on a couple of occasions here in Grand Blanc, um, but it was actually someone else, um, another family who had brought this initially to our attention here, uh, which caused us to start looking at this issue in our district. So it's obvious clearance that um, in Genesee County, I forget, but there's something like 14 different school districts. And um, my guess is there's probably 18 different ways that this is being handled. Yeah, you know, Dr. Knight, you're right. There's actually, we have 21 districts here in Genesee ah, County, so. and um, we have taken an extensive look at all of those uh, policies, uh, really called lunch charging policies that they have, and, and it does vary. It varies dramatically from uh, certain districts that just say they waive those charges all the way to uh, districts that were um, on the other end of that that said as soon as you, you know, have a charge, you, you can't get a lunch. So uh, it does vary dramatically here within our own county, and I would assume that is the case throughout the state of Michigan. Well, I think that's the case. I think it's the case across the nation. I mean, there are 14 different states right now that have a similar legislation that Jim Ananick has proposed, the Hunger-Free Students Bill of Rights bill. That's bill number uh, 1078 in the Michigan Senate. And uh, there's a lot of people trying to grapple with this. And again, I think to Jerry's point that it's really about how we're making the student, the child feel at that moment. And I think you know, me knowing you as well as I do, that there's no way anybody has that kind of intention in your school district trying to shame the child in front of his his or her peers. Yeah, not at all, uh, uh, Dr. Knight, uh, not at all. And uh, obviously, we came into this business, um, and I want to hope that all of us did, but I can tell you certainly here um, from Grand Blank's perspective, um, because we cared about children. And I think many times we look at issues from an adult perspective, but we didn't look at it from a kid's perspective. So when you look at this issue from an adult perspective, it is, you know, you have an overdrawn account, you have money that's not in the account. I think the discussion that hadn't taken place is um, what impact does that then have on the child who might be going through the lunch line? And I think what Senator Anna is trying to get at here is there is an issue there, um, but maybe there are two separate issues. And the first being um, our, our responsibility to make sure that kids have food. Um, and the second issue being uh, then how do, uh, how do we rectify or reconcile those accounts and how do we ensure that parents are informed? And then what other avenues are there for parents? Um, I think Jerry mentioned this, you know, if they don't have the means for that, and there are certainly options for that. And I wonder a little bit if, you know, a lot of this really does stem from just communicating, um, you know, and, and, and in, many, in many aspects of life, um, and certainly as we do food security work, one of the things that we're constantly reminded of is that people just don't know. And so just communicating with the parents, hey, your, your uh, children or child, um, they're getting near the 
you know, the mark where there there's going to be no money left. And how do you do that? You know, and so I know that communicating with parents is something that you're constantly trying to improve. And I know they're trying to improve. And it probably yeah. just falls into that category. Yeah, Jared, Jerry, you're 100 percent right about that. And again, I think our our procedure here was, um, in essence, once you got a charge, you had to receive an alternate lunch. And I will tell you, um, we have recently changed that. And actually, um, how it's changed in Grand Blank is actually we've moved to uh, more of a dollar amount, which in essence will allow children to charge up to um, four lunches here. Um, but in the meantime, Jerry, what, what is going to take place in Grand Blank is as soon as you have a charge, um, and we weren't doing the best job on this, um, we will be reaching out to our parents uh, by a lot of means. One is a phone call that they will get that particular day. Uh, the child's not notified of that. And an email as well. And then we've moved to some um, online options for those parents uh, in terms of payment and things like that. So you mentioned something that's very important. we got to keep that part of it at the adult level, and that's what Grand Blank, at least in our district, we are trying to do moving forward. And at the same time, then ensuring that the child has food. So um, I think you were spot on when you talked about uh, communication being so so important in this issue well i that's that's great news clarence it's good to hear and of course i wouldn't expect anything less from you i mean knowing you as well as i do and the leader that you are that you know i you know you, you don't know that it's a problem until you know that it's a problem yeah. you know and that's when at that point is when we become responsible and uh and so i think that that you know this instance has led to an opportunity for a lot of uh educational leaders to examine this policy and as you said it's not anyone's intention to to cause emotional harm on the student um but, you know, look at all the other things that you're doing in your district to help students become food secure. I mean, you've got backpack programs. You've yeah. got a pantry in the district. Uh, you're partnering with the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan at several different levels. So it we just all looked very inconsistent, uh, yeah. knowing, again, knowing me, me knowing you as well as I do and knowing the other programs that you have in place. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, uh, uh, Dr. Neitzscher, what you said is so important. We believe, we, we know that, that food is key uh, for our, our students here in Grand Lincoln and all schools and children everywhere. Um, you know, and with the Meet Up, Eat Up program that we actually did this summer, Monday through Friday, partnering with the, the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, um, the, this was to feed kids, as you know, uh, in the summer who may not have uh, availability to a, a healthy meal. Um, so, and that's just one point. You're right. The backpack program and other things as well. You you know, doing those things, but again, making sure that we take a, a close look as well at our breakfast program and our lunch program here in Grand Blank. So um, I'll be the first to tell you that um, it wasn't perfect and we needed to do better. And again, I think we're moving in that direction. I, I will tell you both, though, to get some perspective on this, um, as I said, as that adult part of it, um, you know, you take a district our size, which is not super large, but we're just uh, short of 8,300 kids here in Grand Blank. Um, within a nine day period of time, Time, um, our charges in our district will um, range in between $1,500 to $2,000 um, in just a two-week period of time. So we know um, there are issues here with parents financially um, that that are causing some problems uh, with that with the funding piece of, of you know the food program. Right. Well, that's you know that's. <laughs> we cover that topic quite a bit here <laughs> oh food for thought you know and you know the the ability to to 
to have to be self-sufficient and meet the needs of your family and uh many of our parents are are working not one but two jobs in order to be able to do that so clarence clarence gardner the superintendent for the grand blank school district and uh we wanted to have you on just to kind of help us understand this issue from the educational perspective and you've done that very succinctly very well and uh, I just have to say thanks to Clarence for your leadership and how you uh, have met a problem uh, recognized it as a problem and taken the the appropriate measures to to fix that problem and that's what great leadership looks like. Well, thank you, Dr. Knight and Jerry, as well. Um, you know, we're not done with this at all. I, you know, I think this is a start for us, um, but I do think we have a responsibility as, as educators and others uh, to ensure that, that our children have good quality food. We, we know that's, a, that's key, um, and it's something we will continue to work on here. Great. Thanks for being with us, Clarence. Clarence Gardner, the superintendent for the Grand Blank School District. He's been our guest here on Food for Thought. Jerry and I will be back in just a moment to recap this show. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here on Food for Thought. Jerry Clarence Garner, uh, you met him, you know him. Uh, I really think he's an exceptional educational leader. I think he's an exceptional leader, period, who's working in education and, uh, you know, discovered a problem and and begin to take restorative action. You know, I can't remember what show it was or even how long ago it was, but I know you did a a little segment on listening and how important it is for leaders to be willing to listen and learn. And, um, you know, I think Clarence embodied that in this conversation. You know, he didn't say, we weren't doing anything wrong. He said, you know what? We weren't doing everything right. We needed to fix some things, and we needed to have a conversation with an awful lot of people in the 21 districts that are being served uh, in his area and for which he's the superintendent. And uh, he's got them all on track now. And, and, you know, not reading too deeply into it, my guess is if this round of solutions doesn't work, he's going to stay on it until he finds solutions that do. Well, I think that's what great leadership looks like. And, um, you know, he became aware of it. And, you know, when you, when you become aware of it, you become responsible for it. And, um, you know, that's why some of us see, hear, speak, you know, no evil. So, but he did. He became he became aware and he, he began to take um, corrective action. And again, I think there's a lot of things that uh, that contribute to this that are not in the news articles. Right. They can't be. It's just too much. It's too convoluted. Um, but when you have uh, uh, districts that are across the state that are responsible for all of their own food service, and then you have districts who uh, contract that out, and then you have a hybrid of some of it's contracted out and some of it's within you know within your own school district, I think all of those are factors that come into play about you know policy and the and the other thing that comes to my mind about it is that you know it's uh the seven last words of a dying organization right we've always done it this way right you know yeah. we and so you know they didn't know that this was a problem until they became aware of it as a problem now maybe somebody should have but that didn't happen but once it it elevated to the level that the superintendent could see it and hear it and listen to it as you stated then i think that good action within the parameters of Jim Ananick's bill have been taken. And I think as Clarence indicates, it wasn't even the parent of the child in question that was reporting this. It was a, a different parent 
that became concerned about it. And at that point, it rose up high enough so that the right administrators could take the corrective action. Well, and cost is an important driver, right? Cost is important. There's no question about it. We have to do things efficiently and well for the money that we have. But it's not the most important driver in every situation. And I think what Clarence basically said was we need to find a way to make sure the priority is that the kids get the food they need to thrive and learn and be educated and accomplish the goals of the school system. Now, then we got to come back to cost. We got to figure it out. It is a real problem. It's not one you can ignore, but you've got to prioritize the children first. Well, there is a cost. That's not counted in dollars and cents. Right, exactly And I think that's what exactly you and Clarence are talking about. Well, I think it's time for a little food for thought. I hate food insecurity. It manifests itself in the ugliest of ways. Food shaming is just one of the stresses food insecurity brings to a person's life. I want it gone. I want hunger off the table so that food insecurity loses its crippling grip on a child in school and their future. I want hunger to stop so no one continues to carry the scars of being embarrassed because they didn't have enough to eat. I want hunger finished so people can be about pursuing the best life that they can have without being haunted by the pains of not having enough food or the ability to ensure that their kids do. If you want to help us create food security across Michigan, then you can find out how by looking at us at fbcmich.org. And if you miss a show, you can subscribe at foodsecuremichigan.org. And don't forget to follow me, Dr. Phil14, on Twitter. Thanks for listening, everyone. That's it for today's show. We'd like to thank Senator Jim Ananick and Clarence Gardner for being our guest. And until next time, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food secure state.